heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, folks, as you guys know, training camp is right around the corner, only a couple days away. And uh, I have someone with me, a uh, friend of the show, Ryan Spagnoli is here. He's going to be live on the Siena Gillette Stadium uh, starting this week. And uh, I'm just going to say it with that, it feels good to say, doesn't it, Ryan? Just knowing that, hey, you're going to be at training camp yourself this, uh, this coming week for the next couple weeks there. Yeah, it is cool, man. I mean, it's, uh, I guess, hard work pays off. I was, I was thrilled to kind of a lengthy process, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm happy, you know, to get my foot in the door over there and, and be able to I guess, get an up-close look. Obviously, last year was pretty difficult with COVID. Um, not a lot of people got the chance to go down there, but just happy, thankful that, I guess, everything's kind of back to normal here and get an opportunity to uh, see a really good football team compete. Exactly, exactly. Because that's the one thing about this year is, like, I felt like last year's team was a lot of false confidence on my end or a lot of, like, me nodding, wanting to admit where the team was. But this year, it's day and night to what the team that was on the field of this time last year. Oh, for sure. I mean, even start at the quarterback position, right? I mean, you kind of had a fake competition uh, between Jared Stidham and Cam Newton. And obviously you knew my stance on Stidham. Uh, thought he'd give it a, a little bit of a much better uh, opportunity for himself. Um, but, you know, that, that ship has sailed. Um, I think there's a real competition here. I think Mac turned some heads um, from what he did in the spring and summer. It really took that next step. So be interesting to see how he, um, you know, does in training camp and, how many reps he gets with the ones and, and I guess how real that opportunity is for him to potentially play week one. But then you go down the line, you look at the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they, they've vastly improved from linebacker to edge to up front to their secondary, especially with Gilmore reporting and staying uh, here in New England. Uh, a lot of positional battles, a lot of guys that'll be battling for snaps. Uh, that's always good to see it. I think it's, it's great to have, um, you know, competition within your group, especially this time of year. No, 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 for sure, for sure, 100%. Even to stuff like the defensive line is going to be an interesting competition. And even one of the most competitive rooms I'm looking forward to, obviously we could talk about the quarterback. I know you and Pat talked about it at length all throughout the offseason once Mac was drafted. But I find the running back room, not for RB1, because like, I feel like it's going to feel like and it probably will be Damian Harris, but it's more of like who's going to be RB2 and RB3 and get like the receiver the receiver back yardage and who's going to be the short yard guy. Like, you know, that's where I feel like the competition could be very underrated in a way going into camp. Yeah. I, I think um, to be completely honest with you, I think there'd be a little bit more of a competition, um, but obviously Ramondre Stevenson went on the non-football injury list. Granted he can be taken off that at any time. Um, but that screams to me a little bit of a red shirt type year. Um, James White, Shane Vereen, Damian Harris, all guys that weren't first round picks were kind of in that day two, day three mode, all red shirted their, uh, their first year. So I think Harris will take a lot of the carries. I think Michelle um, in some spurts. And then if Harris goes down, you know, Michelle can at least handle uh, the RB one role uh, in early downs um, situations, um, at least for, you know, the time being until Harris were to get back. And uh, then obviously James White can chip in um, on, on passing downs and be able to, um, you know, protect the quarterback as well as JJ Taylor looking to make a uh, crack the roster and kind of fill a role for himself too. So uh, I think it's Harris, Michelle, White, and then sprinkled in maybe 
an opportunity here and there for JJ Taylor if snaps become uh, available to him. Yeah, because that's the one thing too. I like I like your perspective on that because I look at the Patriots running back room and even too there is competition there. But at the same time too, I know. Bill isn't a running back, like a workhorse kind of guy, like where he's not going to have just one stable guy. And when I said Damian Harris is RB1, I'm not saying he's going to come out here and be like a Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, but I know that like he'll get majority of it because the way I always saw it was that, uh, uh, not Taylor, um, Harris was going to be like the long distance, like the long yardage guy, but then you kind of put Stevens in, especially after the Blunt comparisons where he gets like those second and two, third and two yardage situations. But We'll ultimately see where they go with Stevenson, but now that he is on the non-injured list, uh, the, he is on the non-injured list, excuse me, um, I wouldn't be shocked too much if he doesn't have, like, little opportunities to kind of shine, kind of like what we saw with, like, Asi Asi and uh, Keen in year one, even though that wasn't as ideal with those guys, considering the tight, the need for tight end was in 2020. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and even, too, like, with the tight end room now, it's just going to be interesting to see, because obviously we have – Smith, obviously Johnny Smith, obviously Hunter Henry, which when I looked at it on day one, I always remember that it was like Johnny Smith's on. I'm like, awesome. And I'm like, okay, cool. If we didn't get Henry, I'll be fine with it. But then we got Henry. So it's just now there's, I probably haven't seen confidence in this running in the, in the running. I'm so, so focused on the running backs with the tight end <laughs> since probably Gronk and Bennett. Like I know a lot of people like to think the Gronk and Hernandez days, but I don't think that'll, that kind of levels of success won't be replicated. But if we could get like what Gronk and Bennett brought to the Patriots back like five, six years ago, I'd be more than satisfied with that. Yeah, I think anything you can get from that position um, is much more than what you're going to get um, over the last few years. I mean, even look at 2018 Gronk, obviously had the big catch in the Super Bowl and came up big down the stretch. But from a consistently consistency standpoint in a week to week, his body was beat up. Uh, obviously took the year back and, and you know the story from there, but really ever since Martellus Bennett left in 2016, they haven't been able to get anything out of this position. Uh, two years ago, you had Matt Lacoste and Ryan Izzo and Ben Watson. Uh, last year, obviously, they got virtually nothing from that position. So um, obviously it was a point of emphasis for them to improve there this offseason. They did with, with Henry and Smith, and I think they have a ton of depth there. Um, it's obviously a very grueling position. Both guys have battled injuries in the past just because of the style of play that they do play. Um, so if one goes down, you have Henry, and I think Asiasi can slide into that tight end two role, um, and you're in a much better situation where you were even three years ago, even if one of them were to go down. Exactly, because I feel like if an Asiasi were to come in, if like knock on wood that uh, Henry or Smith get hurt, it's not like the total end of the world situation. I really like the way you put that there. Even like when I look at this whole team as a whole, too, like I remember this, like you were talking about the defense earlier. And I just remember this time last year, I believe it was when Hightower opted out, which was a huge blow. Because I remember I did a podcast uh, a couple of days prior saying like how important he was to the team. And then I effectively saw that. And I don't know about you, but the amount of times that I thought or tweeted out, I miss this guy so much. It's just so good to have him back on that, in that linebacking core. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you see how much, uh, how valuable he is to the middle of that defense. Uh, Juwan Bentley gets a lot of hate. Um, considering he kind of filled in that high tower role. He was the Mike uh, for a little bit until Devin McCourty took over the ranks, I believe in week six last year. So just from a leadership standpoint and somebody that can, you know, get after the passer, be effective in the run game, cover sideline to sideline, be a nail in the middle of that defense um, is super important to have him back. I mean, who knows how much playing football playing time he has left. He's certainly on the back nine of his career, but I think that year off last year, maybe, you know, could have rejuvenized him a little bit, allowed him to save some time in his career and play a little bit longer. Uh, and the other thing too about that position, they have a ton of depth. So you don't have to have Dante Hightower play 100% of snaps 
for 16 straight weeks, you can kind of, you know, maneuver guys in and out and be able to take a lot of the load off him. But certainly having him back in the fold from a leadership standpoint, from an alpha male in the locker room, from somebody who's been, been there, done that for so long is super important to this football team. Exactly. Cause there's the three guys, when you say the alpha male leader, there's three guys always looked at, looked to be for that position. Hightower's one of them, McCordy's the other, but then Matthew Slater's the third in those that's something I don't know how many football fans realize of how important it is keeping a gelled chemistry in the locker room, how much it truly translates to what you do on the football field. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's part of Cam Newton's role too, right? I mean, say what you want about him on the field. Uh, you certainly know how I feel about his play, uh, you know, dating back to last year. I do think he will improve if he's given an opportunity this year, simply because the people around him are just, are just much better. Uh, but an alpha male, somebody that, you know, you had that in Tom, you don't have that anymore. Somebody that, you know, demands respect and attention in that locker room when you're going through a transition page um, is super important. And I think uh, Cam does that high tower, like you said, McCordy Slater, guys like that. It's just uh, super important for your team when you're kind of going through a little bit of a rebuild, uh, I guess, transition from what you had in the last 20 years. No, exactly. Like it could be worse. Like we could be the situation the Green Bay is in right now, which I feel like is what the Patriots were in two years ago. But that's that's another topic for another day. Um, and even too, like another position, like I love to look at is our offensive line, where everyone's going to look at it last year and saw, hey, how often Cam got sacked and everything. But if this offensive line core stays healthy, they have the potential to be one of the best in the league. And also, too, it's another position where you know what depth is not an issue at all. Yeah, that's the strength of their team. It was last year. It has been for the last few years. Um, I do think there's a bit of a question mark at the two tackle spots. I think from the interior perspective, you have an all pro in Michael on uh, David Andrews, who's your leader, somebody who's, you know, super consistent and done it for so long. And then Shaq Mason, who I think is one of the most underrated guards in the league. Uh, but the two tackle spots, Isaiah Wayne has been great when he's on the field. I believe that he's only played about 40% of games since he's been drafted. And then Trent Brown, who obviously was super important, super valuable and very good when he was here in 2018 got paid, went to Vegas, got a little lazy and, and certainly didn't play up to that contract. So you can get those guys on the field and engage. I think that's the top three unit in the league. No, no, no. One, 100%. And even too, like, if I can put it back to the defense too, just because the edge, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. When we see Matthew Judon wearing number nine, getting after the quarterback, it's just going to look so awesome. Like even through pictures, seeing him wear number nine, Bentley wearing eight, Mills wearing two the changes that allows players to like have a little less leniency on numbers. Like it just, it's so awesome to see. Yeah. See, I'm a little opposite. I think it's oh. going to take some time, take some time to, uh, to adjust to that. I think just, that's just college to me. Uh, but I do think, you know, given the players a little bit more, like you said, leniency is always good, uh, but it'll certainly take an adjustment period. Right. I mean, you never really see a number nine going after the passer unless it's a preseason game. Exactly. Like it's gonna be one of those like weird things for some people. Like I'm kind of ready for it. Cause like, I'm not a college maniac fan, but I'm not like a, uh, like I, I keep up with the sport enough to where I see like, Hey, a number two, like barreling down the edge to go after the quarterback on a blitz. Um, yeah. But even, like, even so like, I know it's different stances. Cause even like how you say the whole, it's going to get used to, it's like people still getting used to saying like a team's going to go nine and eight this year, for example. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, is there any particular players you're looking at to stand out during camp that, you know, what may not have the full radar of the, like a regular Patriots fan right now? Yeah. Yeah. I think when you start on the offensive side of the ball, right. And like you said, um, guys that are obviously on people's radars, right. Mac Jones, uh, the two tight ends, I think under the radar guys that I'm interested in seeing Isaiah Zuber. Uh, I think there's a lot of openings uh, aside from Nelson Aguilar and probably Jacoby Myers. 
I don't think there's anything given at that position when it comes to snap count. Um, and a guy like Zuber could compete and a guy like Trey Nixon too. Um, but as, as for Zuber, who's very good at, at limited snaps, brings some speed that they lacked last year. Um, I think that's a guy that could compete with a Nikhil Harry, a Trey Nixon, um, you know, D'Angelo Ross, even a Gunnar Olszewski, who will make the team as a punt returner, but somebody that's certainly competing for snaps at wide receiver. That's a guy that's kind of on the outside looking in, but with a strong camp and, and improved, um, you know, skills at receiver could certainly crack this 53 man roster and somehow find a, a role for himself. No, no. I like the way you put that. Cause even too, I remember last year they used Uber a couple of times and he just came into a game and made maybe like two to three catches, but they were either for at least, I believe seven or eight yards or even two. There was a couple of plays. I think it was against Vegas where he got first down. So I like to say this, even I said this one, like guys like Henry Anderson or Montavis Bryant came in. Hey, if you come in and do the job you're told to do, I'm not going to be mad at you. No. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing with this team is they have a lot of depth and, and some guys that will be role players for them. That I think are super important down the stretch. Like you said, Anderson, um, Montrevis, uh, Adams. Uh, when you look at linebacker, even like a guy like Jawan Bentley or a Chase Winovich, guys that have had experience here may not get them on the snaps that they got last year, but at least when you plug them in in certain situations, they'll be able to kind of take the load off some of the guys that you're going to be playing for the majority of the game. Exactly. And, I'm, and my bad, folks. I meant to say Adams. I said Bryant for some reason. I don't know why that's. That's an apologies on my part. And even to like another guy I'm looking at, like for who I love going into camp is already Kendrick Bourne, just based off of what you've seen from the past from him. I feel like he's going to get a chance to shine in New England. Plus two, I saw your tweet from earlier today saying that, look, he's going to win some people over in camp. Yeah, I think that's a guy. I'm super excited for him. Um, obviously got a decent contract in the offseason, but somebody that I think can play and play consistently in the slot, uh, brings some speed, some shiftiness to that position that you had in Julian Edelman. Um, you know, the last few years, obviously he had been banged up. I don't think he was his full self, but um, somebody that I think will, will turn a lot of heads. I think he'll be a really good uh, and a really big piece of this football team uh, offensively. Yeah, exactly. Because even too, when we, I know we had all the money and everybody was like kind of questioning our wide receiver room. Um, I'm not here to say that the 2021 Patriots are a lock for the Super Bowl. Obviously the AFC is very competitive, but when I looked at who Cam's best receivers were in 2015, the most notable names were Devin Funchess and Ted Ginn Jr. Now, guys who aren't exactly all pro, but at the same time, too, like they're guys that when were needed were, or, or uh, excuse me, when they were needed, they were relied upon. Yeah. And I think, too, when you factor in John o. Smith, Hunter Henry, and, and James White, those three guys alone will probably um, demand at least 60 to 65% of targets. Uh, so you really don't need a true number one receiver. I think Aguilar is another guy that can turn some heads, a guy who can play on the outside in that X position and win down the field. Um, I think that's a guy um, that they've lacked kind of in that Brandon Cooks role where he's got some speed and can and create some separation, something that they've lacked for a long time there. So uh, I don't think you need, um, you know, like I said, too many guys that um, at that position that you'll need to uh, rely heavily upon. Exactly. It's like how I said before, where like, I don't expect Damian Harris to be like a Derrick Henry or McCaffrey. We're not going to be going out there and demanding like uh, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar to be like Devonte Adams, like Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, where you expect them to go out there and just catch and ball all day. Correct. Yeah. And even too, when you brought up Cooks, it just always reminds me of one catch that I, I don't know why, but it's a catch I love. It, he made uh, in a very tight game against Houston. I think it was like Watson's coming out party week three here where Cooks had the perfect catch. Brady threw him a perfect spiral. He caught the ball and just, 
got his two feet down and then went out of bounds and won the Patriots the game just because for some reason, I don't know what it is with this team. I always remember the most stressful games. Yeah, I know. I mean, it feels like during that time that there was a lot of that, you know, just because they were so competitive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know what? That's what we want, and that's honestly what I think we're going to get. Because I, like, I even look back to last year's team. There is like I look at at least three games that if gone differently, they could have been four and twelve. You had the game against. I'm just trying to think here. You had the game against the Jets on Monday Night Football. And then the Cardinals, so actually in the Cardinals game, which, which should have been 5-11, excuse me, which, which at the end of the day, I know everyone likes to compare the Belichick versus Brady, who was better. I don't personally. I like to look at it as, look, both did their jobs right and they led to success. But you know what? If it weren't for Belichick last year, this team would have been a lot worse than they were. And the fact that they were 7-9 and nine with what they had, it's very promising going into this year that this team, I think, can possibly win double-digit football games. I think so too. I think they're, they're Vegas lines, nine and a half. I think that's a safe bet to win over. I think when you look at at least the first half of their schedule, uh, there's a lot of winning winnable games. Uh, it does, they do have a little bit of a rough spot in December and January. Um, but I think when you look at this team and, and how they're built, especially defensively, they can certainly compete. And like you said, um, kind of looking back at everything, given the circumstances, the amount of turnover and COVID and, the lack of on-field time with these guys, the fact that they did win seven games last year was actually pretty much an accomplishment in my eyes. Oh, no, me too, 100%. Because, like, you even look to how – I remember going into the game last year against the Ravens thinking, we're going to get our asses kicked. This is not going to be fun at all. And we won in the pouring rain. Like, it was just – the fact that there was moments where they shined, it's just, look, now that I look at this year, I'm like, look, I want to see – that cam i want to see the cam we saw against seattle i do not want to see the cam newton we saw against like say the rams and the 49ers because even if you look at last year's seven to nine the rams and the 49ers i think and i don't really count the bills games because they were the bills game excuse me the one in monday night football in december because we were out of it but if you look at it those are the only two true games that they still had a chance to fight for a playoff spot where they got their asses kicked yeah yeah i know that i mean that's that's probably one of their bright spots from last year um i think given the circumstances that game could have went other either way, but um, I, yeah, I'm interested. To, I'm interested to see how they, you know, they stack up week to week. And uh, cause even if you look at their schedule too, like you're right, like the one game I already have circled on is the jets week two. And I know everyone's questioning that, but if you look at Belichick's track record against rookies um, and that's Zach Wilson's first game in front of his home crowd, I think that could be a very, very long day for Wilson. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, he's got to win a job out there. I think that's a team that definitely did improve. I think they got some sort of structure there with their head coach uh, and obviously excited to, about the future of Zach Wilson. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a guy who's got to face the Bills, Patriots, and Dolphins six year, six times a year for the next X amount of years. So uh, he's got his work cut out for him, especially year one. Yeah, exactly. Because even too, I'm just glad that my, our team doesn't have any problems like what the Buffalo Bills have now, because I know some people like to look at what's going on there as like, well, we'll see what happens. But at the same time, too, if you let the locker room get out of hand, that's it can quickly translate to what happens on the field. I'm not trying to say that because obviously, I know Ryan and I, we're not Bills fans. But when you look at it from a football perspective, it's like how I said before, off-field chemistry matters. Well, stuff like this happens, too, when there's uh, – especially in situations like this where there's very different opinions on things. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. Yeah, no, no, no. And then um, one other thing I just wanted to get into today, guys, uh, as I have Ryan here, is – the Patriots Hall of Fame was announced today. The two people that are going in, uh, one is posthumously as uh, from the contributor category, uh, Tracy Sormant, who is a longtime Patriots cheer director, 
And Richard Seymour will be getting his red jacket on uh, Saturday, October 3rd, which then I assume they'll do a ceremony the next day because I know they play the Jets that following Sunday. So just want to send congrats out to those two, both very well deserving of their honor. Oh, for sure. I mean, when you look at Seymour too, uh, that was the first real big pick of the Belichick era. He, he certainly uh, was a big piece in those early, early Super Bowl runs. So he certainly gets his honor. And I think uh, it's a matter of time before he gets a gold jacket. I know exactly. I did a, I did a Hall of Fame podcast a couple weeks ago, and I still said that, that that's the one Patriots player that I'm still going to bat for. Like, he needs to get that knock on the door by David Baker. I know, I know people like to say he gets his gold jacket, but that for some reason that knock just always gets me excited whenever you hear and you see that larger than life man just at your door and he sees you see grown men turn into children just crying their eyes out when they get that huge honor yeah it's it's awesome it's certainly a, a, one of the moments i look forward to each year no 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 100% you have like cuz it's like i said before like where you have like just every, all their career accolades coming into one and like we said we know Ty Law went in a couple of years ago but hopefully Seymour goes in sometime very soon yeah, I think so. I think it's just a matter of time. I think this could be the year, maybe next. Yeah, you know what? I think 20, I think 2022, there is an actual possibility there. And um, we'll see what happens. But um, for the most part, I think just going into this year, because I'm not sure. Well, hopefully I get to talk to you again before the season starts. But I think as a, a whole, um, training camp is going to be very good. It's going to be very interesting and exciting. I feel like the quarterback scenario is going to be one that everyone pays attention to. And I know I said we don't have to talk about that much, but if I had to Yes, I'm going to say Cam is starting just because of the way Bill likes to do things. But at the same time, too, if Matt comes in there and razzles and dazzles, it would not shock me to see uh, Bill Belichick do something unconventional because, after all, it is Bill Belichick. Yeah, I think it comes down to who gives them the best chance to win. I do think um, he probably views Cam to, to at least get a chance to compete and win his job. I think uh, – You'll see early on in camp those those who they're running with and you know how efficiently they run the offense as well as those joint practices and preseason games. Those are obviously back this year. I think they take a lot of stock in those because it's very game like. Uh, but yeah, I think it's really too early to tell. If I had to guess, I'd say probably go with Cam as the safe bet. But I wouldn't be surprised if Mac makes it a little bit t- tougher of a decision than you know you might have thought uh, on draft night. You know what? I actually honestly agree with you on that, where it's like, like, like I said, more than likely, I think Cam gets a job, but honestly, I think Mac may turn some heads where Patriot fans don't even have to look at it as, Hey, he needs to start now. Look at it as we have a five to 10 year plan. And I only say that because you never know what happens in the NFL with being so unpredictable, but at the same time too, it gives you a chance for the future, just for future success within this league. And that's something that everybody wants. Obviously there's a lot of teams that do it on year to year, but for a Patriots team that is in that retooling, that awkward phase of they're not bad enough to tank, but they're not good enough to be in L.A. next February, even knock on wood, they hopefully do. Um, because I'm a Patriots fan, I'm going to hope for that. It just gives you a glimmer of hope for the future. Yeah, I think that's a big sigh of relief. Um, obviously, what we've seen so far, it seems like a pretty good pick. And, um, you know, speaking about his work ethic and, and kind of what he's had to go through. Uh, in terms of playing in college and learning the offense and, and kind of growing as a, as a football player in person, uh, I think, you know, Patriots are, are in good hands with Mac Jones handling the, the football team for the foreseeable future. Exactly. And um, even one more note I just wanted to add on, even though I know I say I, I've on this program here talked a lot of bad about Alabama quarterbacks just because obviously a lot of them, when they get to the NFL, they kind of flame out. 
I feel like Mac is different because he's going to a program where or a team, excuse me, where it's going to be a very similar regimented routine as he experienced down in uh, Tuscaloosa. Yeah. He played in a pro style offense under Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, not a lot of quarterbacks. I think Tua is the only one that's kind of come into the league that played under Sarkeesian at Alabama. So certainly can run a pro style offense. I think, you know, he spoke upon it. There's a lot of similarities obviously between Saban and Belichick. And I think even going back to his high school days, Max spoke about it a lot that he's had hard coaching um, yeah, and kind of that, I guess, military style. Um, so obviously coming to New England and the, the expectations and kind of the type of coaching you get, he's certainly uh, able to handle that just because he's, he's, a, he's uh, gone through it before um, dating back, you know, 10, 15 years. No, 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 exactly. 100%. And one other quick thing I just wanted to add in too is hopefully or I'm, I'm going to add it on my own, but one player I'm actually looking forward to seeing in training camp is Christian Barmore. I'd also say Wani Perkins, but I feel like Perkins may kind of get that not redshirt treatment, but kind of like they hold him back a little bit, but they still like let him go, but not to his full potential. That's just one other thing I'll add that in quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, both of those guys will, will be rotational type guys early on just because of the amount of depth at that position. But uh, I think Barmore is a guy that you could see a lot early. I think that's a guy who can certainly separate himself in the middle of that defense, uh, can certainly get after the passer and, uh, and, you know, cause a ruckus back there. No, 100%. I completely agree with it. And I cannot wait to see it. And I can't wait to follow you on Twitter as I get all the updates live from Foxborough's training camp. But for the people out there, Ryan, who don't know where exactly to follow you, uh, give this time to plug yourself, man. For sure. Yeah. Ryan underscore Spags on Twitter. Uh, follow all, all my work at patspulpit.com um, as well as my podcast that comes out with Pat Lane and Keegan Stiefel. At, uh, Pat's Nation pod comes out every Friday morning. We'll have a lot of content going on throughout the, the, the rest of the summer here. Sounds good. Well, anyway, folks, we're that much closer to the start of the NFL season. We're less than seven Sundays away. Training camp starts this week and I'm now two episodes away from episode 100 of YWC football talk. So Thank you once again today, Ryan, for coming on for this chat. It was great getting to catch up with you before, especially to before camp. And uh, hopefully we're able to speak to you sometime before the season and or even to during the season. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Anyway, folks, uh, thank you for listening to episode 98 of YWC Football Talk. And I'll see you guys very, very soon. Have a good one. Everybody. Have a good night, everybody. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.